Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The AAC Report is brought to you by Blake Blayhead of Realty One Group. Whether you're looking to buy your very first home or looking to downsize or upgrade, call Blake Blayhead anytime at 407-748-0484. Welcome to the AAC Report only on the Nightline Sports Network. I'm Jeff Allen. Thank you so much for listening. Coming up... We thought we'd check in on some regular guests of the program, see how things are going in this sportsless world. We will talk to Frank Murtaugh. He is the managing editor of Memphis Magazine and does sports corresponding for the Memphis Flyer website. And we will also talk to Kelly Hines. She is with the Tulsa World. And we'll uh, talk about Memphis and Tulsa sports, what this past year was, maybe some uh, older memories, And, of course, get a check on how those folks are doing. And uh, we will do that uh, to help you keep your mind off things, give you a little outlet, give you some sports, even if it's just in podcast form. We are happy to do that for you. And coming up, we'll talk to Frank Martin next when the AAC Report continues in just a moment. Are you tired of the endless money pit of paying rent? Do you have a home you need to sell for top dollar? Talk to the Hometown Advantage award-winning real estate professional and fellow UCF Knight, Blake Blayhut of Realty One Group. Blake has proven to produce results and a smooth process for his clients all across Central Florida. Whether you're looking to buy your very first home or looking to downsize or upgrade, talk to Blake Blayhut. Visit him at his website, blakesorlandohomes.com, or contact him anytime at 407-748-0484. Again, blakesorlandohomes.com and 407 748 Get the hometown advantage by working with Blake. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Fagley reminding you to tune in every Sunday morning at our new time, 10 to 11 a.m. on ESPN 580 Orlando for Nightline the Morning After. Brought to you by Chad Barlaw. We'll be taking your calls and your texts reacting to the previous week's UCF sports action, and you never know who will show up. Once again, that's Nightline the morning after, every Sunday morning, 10 to 11 a.m. on ESPN 580 Orlando or TuneIn Radio. Go Knights and charge on. Give me Memphis, Tennessee. 
And we do head to Memphis, Tennessee to talk to a friend of the program. He's Frank Murtaugh. He is the managing editor of Memphis Magazine and does sports for the Memphis Flyer. Frank, thanks so much for being here. Hey, it's great to, great to be here, Jeff. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, glad to have you back on. And first things first, uh, hope you and your family are doing well through uh, the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, how are things? Yeah, we're hunkered down like the rest of the country. The rest of the country should be. Uh, I have a daughter who was um, studying in Cape Town, South Africa, Jeff. So it was a little precarious there for her for a while. She um, she was crushed to begin with to lose a, a semester abroad that she had, had planned for for years. Um, but um, you know, this is you know how many pandemics come along in a lifetime, and she managed to get home, and she's safe with us now. And so yeah, we're just um, we're waiting it out like everybody else. So. Um, my thoughts and and um, and prayers will go out to all your listeners and, and yourself, and let, let's let's get through this together. Yeah, no doubt about it. Of course, it would be easier if we had sports, which is uh, you know completely Man. disappeared <laughs> in the landscape in such unprecedented fashion. It's it, and it, and what it's been a little over what three weeks, three and a half weeks, maybe coming up on four. I mean, it, it's I've lost track. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, Jeff. You know, the last time I went this long without checking the score of, of any ball game of any kind, I'm thinking I was in third grade, and I might have to go back into second or first. It, it's been basically my lifetime. It's so strange and and disorienting, and and particularly when. You know the crises we we face at various times, um, be it uh, 9/11 or Hurricane Katrina. You tend to turn to sports as an outlet, and we just don't have that right now. And so it, it compounds the, the agony of all the unknown. You just um, you just you just gotta stay healthy and 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 be extraordinarily patient. Yeah, and it, it is interesting because you know, like 9/11, sports went away for a little bit, but you knew sooner or later that we'd be back. Right now, we're in a situation we just don't know. <laughs> right. Right. And, and how will it be defined? And you know, how will how will a baseball game be played the next time a major league baseball game is going to be played? I, I couldn't answer that for you, and I don't think anybody can. And and that's that's part of what's so so pressing and uncomfortable about this is just the unknown. It, you know, imagine if you could if there was a date that on on June fifteenth everything will be back to normal. We, the virus will be gone. Everybody can go outside. We can gather fifty thousand people together again. That's not going to happen. So how you get back to gradually redefining normal is is a really uh, perplexing place to be for uh, for the human race. Really, it's not just you know uh, you know sports fans or whomever. It's all of us. Yeah, normal is going to be different for a long, long time. That's for sure. It really is. It really is. Yeah. So let's talk about when there was sports, and uh, of course, you cover uh, the Memphis Tigers uh, uh, quite regularly and uh, with a lot of passion. And, uh, you know, the football season was uh, one of great joy. It was really an unprecedented season, really setting a high watermark for the program, getting to a New Year's Six Bowl. And, uh, and now the time has, uh, you know, settled in past that. Uh, does anything different stand out than when you were covering it during the course of the season? Well, yeah, I am. Um, Jeff, that, the, the game day experience, when ESPN came to town in early November, uh, when SMU was visiting the Liberty Bowl, was just extraordinary uh, to see Memphis, and and I stayed home that that morning. I stayed home on my couch and pretended like I was sitting in Los Angeles or Chicago or Denver, and and, and getting the nation's view of, of Memphis, Tennessee, and in, in particular Memphis football. And it was just extraordinary, you know, being in in Memphis almost thirty years as I have, and, and seeing the depths that the football program uh, reached at, at various points. It was a, a just a 
a mind-blowing um, vision and, and the sights and sounds of that day, well, I'll never forget. Um, the fact that the Tigers won in front of, in front of a packed Liberty Bowl will, will always, um, well, it's, it's, it's a priceless memory. And then, you know, it, a few weeks later, they won the AAC title there in the Liberty Bowl, beating Cincinnati and got to play in the Cotton Bowl. It was, it was a dream season by so many measures, and, and there's a surreal quality to it now, Jeff, that, that we are without it and there's not going to be a spring game. You find yourself almost saying, did, did that Memphis football season occur, that, that 12-2 and two, you know, diamond of a season? And I, I, I find myself staring at some, some old copy online or, or clips from the newspaper, uh, media guide, and yeah, it, it really happened. Yeah, and do you kind of like think back to that there was kind of like an exhale after they finally were able to capture the American Championship, having been on the doorstep so close the previous two seasons? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and it was um, you remember you put yourself back in that that moment um, late November and into early December, and there was a lot of speculation about Mike Norvell's uh, plans for the for his future. And as we know, he's he's now in in uh, Tallahassee coaching the Seminoles. So that was in the air, and the the um, the longtime generational slump shouldered of, of a Memphis sports fan would have them, you know, lose in the AAC championship game, and then they end up going to a second tier bowl um, as the the rising coach leaves town, and that didn't happen. You know, they they pulled it off. They had the fireworks and the celebration right here in our backyard, and and sure enough, you know, Mike Norvell moved on, and everybody wishes him well. It was a very different. Departure, I think, than when Justin Fuente left four years ago, or going back to, in basketball terms, John Calipari's departure for Kentucky. No one in Memphis could be happier for Mike Norvell uh, than than the fans that have been loyal to this program for for decades. And so it made for a very very happy ending, um, even with the loss to Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, and of course, uh, new coach is Ryan Silverfield. They kept it in house. And uh, what do you see? How do you see him being able to continue the excellence that has been achieved so far at Memphis under Mike Norvell? Yeah, I think you, you used the operative word, Jeff. Continued. I think the only chance Memphis had to keep a slice of Mike Norvell was to hire Ryan Silverfield, who has who was with Norvell all four years. Mike was in charge of things and knows the Norvell way. And with that, he also brings some, um, you know, a, a well of experience from, you know from both college and his, his time in the NFL with the Vikings. Um, Ryan Silverfield has embraced the job. Um, I obviously have been able to visit with him very little since he was, you know, since he was hired. But, um, you know, I, I the, the question I want to ask him is, how does it feel to coach your very first college football game in the Cotton Bowl? And I know uh, Silverfield is um, is elated to be where he is, and his, his career has started in a way that, that very few – men could ever say they did uh so it, it's it's gonna be an exciting time when uh, tiger football returns and i think they have the closest chance of replicating the norvell magic by uh, the hiring of, of ryan silverfield and as we look towards what we hope will be a 2020 football season we look at the fact that uh, the conference is was so strong in 2019 and i don't see anything different that tells me it it won't be different uh you know you especially in the west navy has rebounded uh you know houston could be a factor who knows smu had a had a comeback season and then the east is stacked with uh cincinnati and ucf so it's it's a it's amazing to see what potential this conference has going into the next season 
It's such a good league, Jeff. I, I think it's closing the gap on the power conferences in ways maybe that the basketball league hasn't as much. Yeah, and, and the basketball league strong enough, but but um, football and the AAC that's that's the place to be. You know, if you're not, you know, uh, you know, tried and true SEC, Big Ten, you know, Big Twelve uh, fan or alum, the AAC football has become really special, and and it's um, it's rewarding uh, being a long time, uh, you know journalists here in Memphis again, Jeff, to to be following and covering a team that is in the mix in such a strong league as the Tigers have been and I would expect will be um, if, if there's a 2020 season. And, of course, you mentioned basketball, and, uh, you know, the, the basketball season was one that uh, had a ton of great promise but came crashing to a halt. Uh, if you would kind, of, would kind of recap, you know, the situation that happened with, uh, with Petty Hardaway and in in, in 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 this particular instance with 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 the NCAA, tell me what we're, what really went wrong there. Well, you know, it, it's uh, you know combining the football and basketball seasons we've just seen. I don't think there's been an academic year that will be remembered more in University of Memphis history than the 2019-20 uh, uh, academic year. That that amazing football team that we've already discussed, and then the basketball team that. They were supposed to be the highlight this year, this academic year, you know, with the top recruiting class uh, led by James Wiseman, and yeah, it, it it unraveled and unraveled quickly, you know, when um, when the NCAA discovered that um, that Penny had um, given Wiseman's family, I think it was seventy five hundred dollars for a, a a move from Middle Tennessee to Memphis um, before Wiseman's junior year in high school, and that was a no-no according to the NCAA that, that you know Hardaway at that time could be considered a booster and uh, so Wiseman ruled ineligible the, the Tigers played him a couple of games anyway and during what they considered an appeals process which didn't help things and you know Wiseman once he finally took his suspension of uh, I think it was 12 games you know about five or six games into it decided I'm I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pro he should be in the NBA anyway we all know so he turned to uh, I think headed to Florida to, to train and and uh, play professionally and and Penny was left with a, a you know a team he was he was left with the Beatles minus McCartney or you know with the Stones minus Mick Jagger a really good class but how do you make these parts work without their centerpiece and and he struggled with it uh, twenty one and ten it's not what um, Tiger fans expected they they had a good team twenty one ten is a is a good solid record and led largely by freshmen a very young team but it wasn't close to what um, what folks around here envisioned, you know, last last summer, as as recently as nine or ten months ago, very very sort of unsettling season. Did Weissman's decision rankle and leave bitter feelings with anybody? It did with some. Yeah, it, it did with some. Um, they, they felt that um, I think the 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 message that those that were upset wanted to convey is that he let his teammates down. And I think the case could be made. You know, he was, he came here and, and, you know, there's communication between kids being recruited long before they signed a letter of intent. And so there's a commitment of sorts, not just between a player and a coach, but a, a player and his future teammates. And the case could be made that yes, that, you know, Lester Quinones and, and uh, DJ Jeffries, the, the other freshmen on this team were playing with a group different than they came to play with, with, with Wiseman's decision. But, um, on the other hand, you know, you're, you're James Wiseman and you probably would have been almost certainly would have been a top five pick in the 2019 draft. Were you eligible? 
but you're not. And there's just so much broken between, you know, college basketball and the transition to the NBA already. Um, I think to point fingers and blame Wiseman um, individually and solely in this would be wrong. But but he, you know, he he left with some some dirt under his fingernails, so to speak, as did a few others. Yeah, and, and he kind of got forced into a no-win situation because I think both the NCAA and Memphis themselves really kind of exasperated the situation. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Had they um, had they backed off after the first game, why? It, 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 at least the you know the eligibility question didn't come up until after they played their first game, and he played two more. Had they not done that, had they not kicked the bear there, it might have shaken down differently. Been a shorter suspension, and yeah, it could have turned out differently. I think. There was some some uh, stubborn determination on the part of David Roy, the U of M president, and, and probably Penny himself, uh, head coach. Uh, you know, there's a lot of what ifs for that season, to say the least. Um, and 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 we'll never know. I you know here here the NCAA tournament that they were supposed to win though gets completely erased. I mean, mm. imagine had had Wiseman stuck around, the team goes, you know. 29 and 2 instead of 21 and 10 or and they run off to the AAC championship but get a top 2 or 3 seed and then the tournament gets erased i think memphis would have collapsed i yeah. mean with 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 our our um, you know generations of various disappointments with the basketball program and you also look at the fact too that uh, you know the AAC conference tournament was pretty much up for grabs. You know Memphis could have gotten hot. Really was, you know, yeah. pre- you know, Precious Achua certainly, you know, um, made made his name as a, as a, as the freshman of the year in the league. And you never know they could have they could have knocked on the door of the NCAA tournament. And who knows what would have happened? But uh, it is interesting to kind of see uh, that the team, even without Weissman, was was so very much a factor and still on the brink. Yeah, and, and you know the the guy I think who lost the most in Wiseman's departure was Precious Achua. Now he walked away, you know, with the with the league's Player of the Year honor, which is, is a hell of a thing for a freshman to do. No, no Tiger freshman's ever done it. Um, he was a dynamite player, averaged a double double, and you know his his star turn, um, and you know, including his his um, his audition for some you know NBA scouts was going to be at least the AAC tournament and then whatever Memphis did afterwards, and more than likely the NIT. But had they made a run, you know, Precious Achua could have been a lot closer to being a household name than he is right now. And, and I think he's going to be a very good professional um, that'll come. But it, it's a shame we didn't get to see what, what March Madness could have brought for, for Memphis this year because the team was, was talented and, and they were capable of winning, you know, two games, three games uh, in Fort Worth. Um, who knows what would happen after that? Again, we'll never know. Yeah. Well, unlike football, Memphis basketball has a long and storied tradition. And you, you know, look back through through the, the through the days with uh with uh with Rose, Penny Hardaway, you can go back to the Keith Lee days, you can go back to Larry Finch. You know, that's a lot of great tradition in Memphis basketball. Is there is there one era or one memory that uh is your favorite or stands out more than the other? Well, um it's funny, there's a, a we have a museum called the Pink Palace here in Memphis that is putting on an exhibit that is not being seen by anyone right now because of the social distancing regulations. But they have uh, they're you know saluting a centennial of Memphis basketball, and we we put Coach Finch or Larry Larry Finch the player on our our March cover in a special treatment uh, that had some some foil and varnish that brought him off the cover. He's he's no longer with us, but uh, Larry Finch is alive and well as a as a, a hero to this city and this community and. Um, you're right, Jeff. That's not going to go away. Um, uh, wins or losses. I, if I were to name one favorite memory of my own, um, 
since I've been covering the team, it'd, it'd have to be the 2008 game in which the Tigers, top-ranked in the country, hosted Tennessee, which was second-ranked at the time. And, and I was born in Knoxville, so I, I've got some, some orange blood in me that uh, Tiger fans don't like hearing. But for that collision to happen you know, in February of 2008 at FedEx Forum, that was you know every bit the same kind of vibe that we had with the game day experience with football last December. And it, it was an extraordinary night. Uh, the Vols prevailed that night. Um, you know, the Tigers, as we know, went on to finish 38-2, made it to the championship game, and, and lost to Kansas. Uh, that was the Derrick Rose season that has since been vacated. You know, you get back to more of the, the disappointment. But that was that was an extraordinary night, a huge basketball night that most most college communities, towns, cities will never experience. And, and I got to witness it firsthand. Uh, so th- that, that would be my, my answer, that 2008 contest between one and two. Yeah. Well, you know, I find the interesting, you know, the, 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 the history of Memphis basketball very interesting. You know, you know, I really was like starting to follow basketball pretty heavily uh, back during the Keith Lee days. And then, and then, you know, Penny Hardaway became a member of the Orlando Magic, but, you know, he actually played here as a member of the Tigers when they uh, played first round action at the old Orlando Arena. So we got to see him in action That's there. Right, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is such a great and story tradition. Even though they're quote unquote not in one of the, the the power conferences, they've they've managed over the years to still have a, a tremendous brand of basketball. They really do. Um, the you know the city itself produces extraordinary talent. There's a wall in their their training facility that has the names of native Memphians who go on to play for the Tigers, and it's it's got to be it's fifty to sixty names, Jeff, and, and many of them recognizable. Um, and uh, you know, uh, most recently, guys like Joe Jackson. Um, uh, but but going back to Keith Lee, grew up all the way across the river in West Memphis, Arkansas. So, but anyway, it's a it's an extraordinary region to to um, to have the team centered, and you know they they draw and and they win. They win more than they lose. They've had twenty straight winning seasons. It's a really easy program to get behind. And of course, they for many years they played in the pyramid. Does is the pyramid still in existence? Is it still a viable venue? The, Jeff, the pyramid is is the largest uh, outdoors emporium you will find in the United States. It's a it's a Bass Pro Shops. Okay, it's extraordinary. There's a hotel in there and. They've got um, they've got live uh, gators and a huge aquarium with with fish. It's it's an outdoorsman's paradise. You would not believe that you know an all American uh, you know swingman named Penny Hardaway played there you know almost thirty years ago. But it's uh, yeah, pyramids. Um, it, it's humming. It's just it's a different form of buzz now. Yeah, that is that is pretty interesting because I always thought that was one of the to me that was one of the kind of the cool places in college basketball. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, well, Frank, we thank you for coming on and sharing some uh, some memories and thoughts uh, as we try to navigate through the the world without sports, and uh, we definitely uh, hope you and yours uh, stay healthy and stay safe. I appreciate it, Jeff. You too. I, I'd say it's just patience, determination, and, and a lot of empathy, and we'll get there. Just just stay healthy. All right, Frank. Thanks again. Take care, Jeff. And coming up next, when the AAC report continues, we'll talk to Kelly Hines of the Tulsa World. That's coming up in just a moment.
Raising the bar on what to expect from your personal injury attorney is our commitment to you at Chad Bar Law. I'm Chad Barr, and as a UCF alum, I am proud to present Nightline, the morning after show, Central Florida's only call-in show dedicated to our UCF nights every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And remember, if you or a loved one are injured in an auto accident, call us at 407-599-9036 to schedule your free consultation or visit us at chadbarlaw.com. Our clients come to us in need and leave as family. Offices Altamont Springs. Go Knights. Charge on. All right, so we welcome our next guest to the show, Kelly Hines of the Tulsa World. And Kelly, I'm playing the song Tulsa Time, which in no way did they ever say that there would be no sports. <laughs> so. Here we are in a sportsless world. How are you? How are you coping with things uh, out there? You know, it's a weird time. <laughs> I'm uh, furloughed this week, so I'm able to do a lot of uh, around the house projects that I've been putting off. So yeah, it's um, it's a good time. Yeah. And uh, and then just the fact that it, there, there's no sports that uh, it's kind of taken away one of our great escapes. <laughs> it definitely, definitely has to be one of those things that uh, that you have to kind of get you kind of get used to without wanting to get too used to it. Yeah, I'm not really a movie person. I don't really like to watch movies, but I've watched more movies in the past two weeks, like at home, than probably in the last five years combined. So, trying to find new things to do, um, tricky though. Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, I think I revealed on on our show uh, before is that uh, you are very heavily involved in cat rescue and uh and finding homes for homeless cats and I trust you have a little little bit of time for that as well. So <laughs> so tell me what how did how did you get involved in 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 getting into the cat rescue uh line of uh, hobby passion whatever it is. Yeah, I I tell people I've always been a crazy cat lady. I just didn't always have cats. So once I um, had a couple cats of my own, then I kind of became aware, more aware of cats like on the streets and then just, uh, you know, started to see a need for, you know, fostering and um, getting cats fixed and, and all of that stuff. So, um, I, it kind of has evolved over time, uh, to, you know, what I have now, which is I'm fostering quite a few right now, but I love it. And especially right now, it's, it's nice to have the company of animals when, when you're, uh, in, you know, quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> no, I understand that feeling. We have five cats in my household and, uh, they take turns uh, stealing my office chair when I'm trying to, you know, when I when I get up and take a break from work, they they steal the chair. So uh, they're they're, de- they're definitely some fun 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 little critters, that's for sure. So uh, last, uh, you know, just you know, weren't that long ago. It, it, although it seems like forever, you know, we were we were just on the brink of the AAC basketball tournament. Tulsa finished is a is a, a, a part of a three way tie for the regular season championship and you know this conference tournament could have been anybody's it seemed to be a lot up for grabs no real clear favorites uh got to be really tough uh, for the guys to have their season to end that way yeah you know it's it's just such a weird thing for everyone the way it ended so abruptly and then to just not really know how it was going to finish you know i i think 
really every game was going to be tough, uh, you know, a close game for, for whoever. You know, Tulsa, you know, if, if their first game had been against uh, in the conference tournament had been against, uh, you know, Memphis or East Carolina, I think, you know, either of those teams could have been difficult to meet, to beat, you know, I just, uh, to not know how things could have gone. It, it's just so weird to look back on, you know, what, what could have been, what might've been. Um, but everybody's in that boat. You know, I, I think for Tulsa, you know, it, it can be a positive in that it could, it, it might've been an NCAA tournament season, you know, and, and I think it would have been, uh, you know, probably another couple wins at least, you know, probably to get there, but you can say, hey, that might have happened. Um, and, and certainly to, to be able to say convincingly, you know, that that was a, a postseason team. You know, I, I think that's something that you can look back on and having a, a shared, um, you know, regular season conference title and, and those things. Um, it just when, uh, you know, you talk to players and coaches, even, you know, in early March, they talk about unfinished business. And that's that's what it remains for everybody, unfinished business. So it's just it's just weird to look back on. It's something that I think we'll all look back on, you know, 10, 15, 20, however many years from now, we'll still look back on how weird a, a year this has been. Yeah, but definitely they can take a positive because they were picked by many to finish 10th in the conference. And they end up in a three-way tie for the regular season championship. And do you think this is going to be momentum they can carry into the next basketball season? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think um, certainly, you know, this team proved a lot of things. And and when you have some confidence um, from, from, you know, being picked near the bottom to finishing near the top, like I I think that that is always going to be a good thing. But then, you know, you still have some question marks. You know, Martin Zigbanu being sixth man of the year, a first-team all-conference guy, you got to replace that. And then, you know, Dryer Horn leaves, and, and, you know, he's the third-leading scorer. You know, that's another piece you have to replace. So, you know, there are definite um, things that, you know, aren't going to be there for next season. But they do have some guys coming in. They have a couple guys who didn't play um, this past season because of, you know, they didn't get their transfer waivers. So there's certainly a lot of reasons to be optimistic. Um, and, and I think, you know, that that also brings expectations, you know, um, when, when you have a good season. And then it, it kind of uh, changes, you know, how everybody views you. Um, but I think that's a good thing. I think that this team, you know, uh, definitely proved – the doubters are wrong, and, and that's something that, you know, we'll see how they can kind of build on a season like this. So if you had to pick a favorite moment from this past basketball season, what would that be? Man, um, you know, the 40-point the win against Memphis was just one of the craziest outcomes of a game I've ever covered, just because as you're watching it unfold, you're like, this is happening? It's just, you know, a game that I honestly didn't think that Tulsa would win. And to win 80-40, to 40, I mean, Tulsa scored as many points in each half as Memphis had in the game. I mean, that was just unreal. But um, I have to say that, uh, you know, what happened um, against uh, Wichita State, um, the game here in Tulsa, when Elijah Joyner, you know, hit, hit the game-winning shot at the buzzer, you know, that was just unbelievable and then you know what happened in the post game when he broke down in tears just sobbing you know talking about his relationship with his father and and his um his father being there at the game and what that meant to him like that I mean 
you can't script things like that. And, and, you know, I just remember after that game, like thinking about what I was going to write about it. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, like that's, that was just one of the, the craziest um, things to witness, not just the, the drama of the game, but you know, what happened afterward, it just, man, that, that was just, pretty incredible yeah. so uh i would definitely say those two games <laughs> yeah you know that's interesting when when the, when that particular moment happened for joiner you know it, it really struck me you know you, you see these you see these young men they're tremendous athletes you know and 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 whatnot but at the end of the day they are still just kids yeah you know and yeah it, no and I, I just love to see the human emotion you know i i I think that, you know, we're so used to, um, you know, just thinking of, like you said, they're, they're athletes, we're watching games, and, and we don't always think of athletes as being people. They're people. Like, they have the same emotions as, as any of us, you know, I, I'm, you know, especially to be a young man who, you know, for much of his life didn't have a relationship with, with his father, and, and now to have it, that, that just meant so much to him, and, and you just see him in, in a different light when, when he's able to you know, not be afraid to show that emotion in such a public setting. I mean, that was just like so touching to see that, you know, it obviously meant that much to him that he just could not hold back his emotions. Um, that just, uh, that was just crazy. Yeah. And then let's look at the Tulsa, you know, the football team had an interesting season. They, you know, doesn't show up in the win loss record, but uh, they really made some strides, I think. You know, they, they, they had Memphis beat. You know, Cincinnati, they, they gave a tough game. They actually upset UCF. Um, but again, record-wise, it didn't quite pan out. But I think it's still a year they can look at and finally say, well, you know, we took a step forward. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's that's why Philip Montgomery, you know, was given more time, you know, definitely seeing some progression there. You know, if, if some field goals had, had been made, um, then, you know, it, it would have been a completely different season and, you know, probably bowl eligibility. And, and that's what, you know, is, is the certainly the mark of, of an OK season, you know. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, Tulsa's not that far off, um, you know, especially when you look at having just about everybody back on offense in, in 2020, you know, if there is a football season. Um, and, it, you know, it's still we'll need to replace some really crucial pieces on defense, and that's probably going to be the biggest, um, you know, some of the biggest question marks heading into next year. But, you know, just having seen a few spring practices before things got, you know, suspended uh, for, this, for this semester, you know, I, I thought that, the offense was already, you know, building on on what um, what they did last season. Especially when you look at the last game at East Carolina, and Tulsa, that was really the first time in two seasons that Tulsa's offense got going. I mean, super balanced, just running the ball well. You know, Zach Smith had had a really good day throwing the ball. Um, that was one of the only games last season when the offensive line started to come together. You know, building on that. Um, performance, you know, I, I think that um, you know, the, with all of those pieces being back, you know, you have to expect that that um, progression will continue. So, you know, I, I think it'll be a really important year for Philip Montgomery, um, you know, because you got to win more than four games. You, I think, if if he doesn't, you know, if this team doesn't make it to the bowl in, in twenty twenty, then you know, I, I don't know that he's going to be back, at, you know, in twenty twenty one. 
Yeah, and you know, tell me how difficult it is for Tulsa on the football landscape because you know they are in the hotbed of, of the Big Twelve and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. How hard is it for them to you know be competitive for recruits in that area? You know, it's difficult because you can uncover some guys in your backyard and, and you can be the first to offer them. I can think of so many guys who have gone on to play at, at OU and OSU and Tulsa was their first offer. And then, you know, they go and do well at other camps and then everybody's in on them and you have no shot. You know, it's, it's hard to get the really, really good players in, in the Tulsa area, which the Tulsa area has has you know, been a hotbed for recruits for a long time. So um, it, it can be difficult to get, you know, those top guys. I think they've done a really good job of getting those next level guys. Um, the, you know, you don't see a ton of guys from the Tulsa area going to, you know, other schools in, in Tulsa's conference. You know, that that doesn't happen that much. They really try to um, recruit heavily in Texas and, and in Oklahoma, but it is a challenge because of, you know, it's, it's a tougher academic school. Uh, the, not as easy to get into um the the ratio of, of students to professors is like one to 11 or 12 you know very small class sizes not everybody wants that um so i, I think it is a challenge to um recruit to tulsa and that's just something that they're uh you know it's something they have to deal with but i also think that they really um you know, go after those guys who kind of have a chip on their shoulder because they've been underlooked. And that's kind of been like the blue collar mentality that's, that's worked well for Philip Montgomery um, since he came to Tulsa. And, you know, especially, uh, you know, guys who were just athletes, you know, categorized as athletes as, as recruits, they've been able to mold them into, you know, different position players and, and, Nobody else really knew what to do with them, so they weren't recruited well. And I, I think that's worked for Tulsa, too. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that I've always had an affinity for Tulsa football only because, you know, I grew up a Dallas Cowboys fan, and my favorite players are 1A, Roger Staubach, and 1B, Drew Pearson. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, Drew Pearson is a you know, Tulsa Hall of Famer, um, you know, actually started as a quarterback, which a lot of people don't know. And, yeah. uh, and then, of course, went on to uh, uh, have great success not only as a wide receiver at Tulsa, but in the National Football League. So I've always had an affinity for Tulsa football just because of Drew Pearson. Yeah, I mean, they. you look at Drew Pearson and, and Steve Largent played at Tulsa. I mean, oh, those are two guys who obviously went on to have very successful careers in the NFL. And, it, you know, they're, I don't think they're any active as of right now, you know, uh, players who, you know, attended Tulsa in the NFL. There are obviously a couple guys who are hoping to get drafted um, who, who were at the Combine. But, you know, it's hard to go from, you know, playing at Tulsa to playing in the NFL and to have two legends like that who did it. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, that most definitely is. So um, I guess uh, uh, checking like the headlines today, I'd, I'd seen and tell me if this is accurate that I guess Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State has uh, commented that uh, about getting kids back out and uh, and that they're young and they can overcome this. Uh, how accurate is that statement, and and it, how well is that going over? <laughs> um. Yeah i I don't really know how well that's going over. Um. I just uh, talked to some coworkers earlier, and um, you know, everybody has their own perspective on not just you know everything going on, but also on Mike Gundy. So, um, I think you take a lot of things with a grain of salt. Um. 
yeah, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just had only seen that briefly. I thought, okay, that's a little bit of an eyebrow raiser, but uh, I guess yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Well, Kelly, we certainly appreciate you taking the time and have always appreciated you uh, taking time to uh, contribute to our AAC report, uh, uh, especially with this uh, college basketball season. And we definitely hope that you stay safe and stay healthy. All right. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, have me on anytime. And we're back to wrap up the show right after this. Night Nation, this is Adam, one half of the dynamic duo that is the Sons of UCF, which is found only on the Nightline Sports Network. Join UCF Mike and I each week as we bring you some of the latest from in and around UCF sports, including such great segments as the Josh Heupel Translator, Top 8 Lists, and Cow of the Week. We'll also bring you some of the most in-depth and unique interviews with some of your favorite former Knights. You don't want to miss a moment, so make sure you subscribe to the Nightline Sports Network wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll take care of the rest. Go Knights. Charge on. And before we go, as always, we remind you to make sure that you like and share all of our Nightline Network Sports programming wherever you get your podcast. And please follow me on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88. And check out my personal podcast at JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. That'll do it for this week's AAC Report only on the Nightline Sports Network. I'm Jeff Allen. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.